0: I focus so intensely that I do writing binges and I will Mm. write for three or four hours, get some food, go to bed, sleep Mm. a couple hours, get up, write three or four more hours, eat, go to bed. And I will do that for 24 to 48 hours. I can roll out some pages.
1: Right. (laughs) And I
0: found out that if I just stay in it, Mm -hmm. then the productivity really amps up. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of trying to break at five and come back and catch up where I was before. And eventually, you know, my, my mind will say, okay, that's it for now. And then, you know, I'll go to bed and sleep for 14 hours. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. But I write more than one book at a time. And so I can take a few days off, go into another writing binge on another project. And so forth. I only work on each project maybe once a week or every 10 days. I don't. Okay i have learned to respect my energy and my my mental capacity to be sharp and i'll get more done if i take off two or three days between those uh different episodes you call it i think i think they have medication for that but (laughs) (laughs) i'm not taking it
2: (laughs) yeah right yeah it might stop the work you know yeah can't have that Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever and wherever you are watching or listening. This is the Holistic Monitor, and I'm your host, Nick Sconia. The Holistic Monitor is a wellness podcast featuring life energy research, health and wellness transformation, self improvement and empowerment, philosophy, spirituality, and now guest interviews as well. We look forward to your comments on our YouTube channel at Holistic Monitor. And you can also listen on the go with us at Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, and more. And with that, let's get today's show started. Welcome to the Holistic Monitor, where we explore the intersection of philosophy, alternative health, wellness, and spirituality. Today we have a special guest, the award-winning, international best-selling author and ghostwriter, Lana McCara. Not only is she a talented wordsmith, but she's also a spiritual luminary and energy healer with a passion for teaching fiction writing. Under the pen name Rosie Dow, Lana has achieved great success winning the Christie Award and the Literary Titan Silver Book Award for her historical novel, Reaping the Whirlwind, and selling over a quarter million copies of her mystery series, Colorado. With two new titles on the horizon for 2023, we're thrilled to have Lana join us today to talk about her journey as an author and her unique perspective on health wellness, and spirituality. So sit back, relax, and join us as we delve into the world of Lana McEra. Lana McEra, award-winning international best-selling author and ghostwriter of 40 titles through traditional publishing a million books sold, and a spiritual luminary and energy healer. Does that sound like uh, what's been going on for you?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, you also teach how to write fiction?
0: Yes, I have a course called How to Write a Novel That Sells.
2: Okay. That's great. That's mm-hmm. great. I have a, a book in my mind that I've been uh, working on every every night before I go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> not finished <laughs> hopefully it'll never get finished because it helped me go to sleep at night but um yeah. i got really I, stuck on the second chapter
0: <laughs> i have a i have a cartoon that i put into my class materials it's a guy in a hammock with a drink and a fan and and he's saying I'm, i've am i been working on my book all afternoon
2: <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> busy work yep absolutely so what what got you started in uh, writing
0: um i'm an avid reader I was reader. reading constantly in school when I was in school, uh, grade school and now I'm high school. Okay. And uh, I minored in English. I'm a teacher. I had an education major. And uh, after I got out of school, I got married, started having kid after kid, baby after baby, bored out of my mind <laughs> uh, at home with toddlers. And I took a writer's course just at random. I know. I know nothing happens at random, but right. at the time, to me, it felt random, and I found out I absolutely loved to write. So that started the ball rolling. <laughs>
2: That's fantastic, and uh, yeah. uh, it's very hard to read when you have kids running around. <laughs> yes, <laughs> definitely something you probably had to backseat the uh, the reading during that time.
0: Exactly.
2: Yep. It like kind of build uh, a pressure uh, for you to like really become active in. Maybe not even the reading, but the writing, it really kind of put a surge on that. Right,
0: right. Focus um, on it. Something that was for me that I could mm-hmm. do when the kids were down and and uh, stimulate my mind because I was very active in school and I always challenged myself academically. But when I got married right out of college, nothing. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. And then you've been uh, avidly writing. Uh, a lot. Um, 40 titles, is that right?
0: Number 42 is coming out this 42. year.
2: That's fantastic. Now, do you have two coming out this year?
0: Yes. Um, this one is already, I've got my copies. It's not available yet uh, for the you know public. You can pre order it. Okay. But then I have another one coming out in the fall.
2: Okay. And is that all being done uh, with the pen name?
0: No. Uh, this one is Rosie Dow. Rosie Dow. Okay. Um, and it's a reprint of my Christie winner, which there it is. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. That was uh, out of print for a long time because the company went out of business. Oh, and okay. so I found someone to republish that. But yeah. then I have a brand new book coming out in the fall, which is a paranormal mystery. I write mysteries.
2: Oh, that's great. Um, yeah.
0: Paranormal mystery that I've totally new genre for me. So much fun. Oh, okay. And I'm so excited about starting that new. It's the first book in a series. Okay. So yeah, that's gonna be
2: put a new, great. Uh, <laughs> a new drive behind the writing passion.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. So, um. And do you, have you had paranormal experiences in the past? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh. And that kind of landed towards your uh, desire to write about it within a mystery novel. Yeah. That's
0: right. Cool. Uh, that's actually the first scene of the book. <laughs> it's my own. Paranormal oh.
2: It's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> So you're able to put a lot of your own stuff within the books. And, and have you done that through the course of your writing as well to kind of take from your life and uh, draw those examples? Yeah,
0: absolutely. Because it makes the book real. Right. And I teach my students how to do that without coming off, uh, you know, like preachy or moralistic or whatever to take your life lessons into the book that you're writing in order to bring heart Uh, the feeling of reality and uh, and also share you know what you've learned in your life and there's a way to do that where it adds substance to the book rather than pasting on some kind of moral or um, external theme or something so I found that truth is most often stranger than fiction
2: uh, yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. You always yeah. hear people say, "I couldn't have, I couldn't have write this stuff." You know, this is not yeah. something you'd read in a book. It's too Can't too it bizarre, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, yeah, that's great. Wow, and, and uh, so you said it's a new series that you're going to be uh, working on. So I imagine you already have it finished. Oh yeah, it's in production. Touches.
0: I'm I'm it. getting ready for the final cover proof and the galleys. They're going to be here anytime time, and then they'll start putting it in the the queue, you know, to get into the stream for publication, which usually takes about six months.
2: Okay. All right. Any screenwriting, any kind of uh, adaptations or anything like that?
0: That No. um, The book that is coming out was uh, being looked at by a production company. And I wanted to wait till I had it, you know, the novel finished and then see what can work out after that. But it, it did get attention, and um, mm. I'm excited about the possibilities of, of that because each book could be like a season of a TV series, like mm. eight episodes or something, yeah. and then the next book, and the, you know could be the second season or whatever. So Right. Yeah.
2: Oh, that's a great. Yeah. So,
0: yeah, exciting things are yeah. taking place. <laughs>
2: very good, very good. Um, I know screenwriting itself is a, a definitely a different um, – method of approaching a a story you know you have to put scene and i think it's a page is every a page is a minute or something like that or a minute of screen time Uh, it's definitely a different way of looking at the same story you have to really cut out a lot of the book to get to the storyline and put it down for a movie Mm -hmm. Um, okay that's amazing and uh, a luminary a spiritual luminary uh, energy healing what uh, where did that happen where did that come about in your life
0: my daughter got very sick Hmm. and she really was on a downhill trend and the doctors couldn't find anything wrong with her and so we turned to energy healing for her and it was the first time she had any kind of improvement and so that led us on a journey because i was a pastor's wife for 30 years i was not into that at all.
1: Right, right.
0: Metaphysical, paranormal, no. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't happening. Um, but when she got sick and got no help, then um, we started to realize there's a little bit more to this than what we have been thinking before. And so one thing led to another and I found out that I have a gift. I can do this. And mm. I've always been intuitive. I've always known things, but I just figured... You know just one of those things anybody could do it i used to say that all the time right. and then i found out no not anybody not, can do this not
2: everybody right.
0: <laughs> and so yeah a, a journey of unfoldment over a period of about 20 years um mm. where finally now which i started having those paranormal experiences and now i am certified in three types of hypnosis mm. that led me into another segment of the subconscious mind and and how this actual physicality in the mind works really not how you learn in school right um and then eventually i realized that you know healing is something that is part of my beingness it's i've been, i am a healer and also the downloads wow <laughs> yeah. insights on various things about trauma how to resolve suffering. Why do we suffer? Where does that come from? And how do we live with it? How do we, I don't want to say get over it, but yet manage our lives in the middle of all that.
1: Right, right. Um,
0: So because I have been through a lot of suffering in my life. Um, And so the downloads just keep coming. And I have a very tiny YouTube channel where it's mm-hmm. kind of like my journal where yeah. I just make a video and throw it up there. I, I've got it now. Yeah. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's yeah, loaded it up. <laughs> I was interviewed by Vicki Helm uh, a couple of months ago. Okay. And she, before we started, she said, you know, I've been going through this and going through this because we're friends. Mm-hmm. And uh, she said, I, I know what you are. And I'm like, okay, what am I? <laughs> And she said, uh, you're a spiritual luminary." Hmm. And I went, "Oh, now yeah. so that lands because these insights, right. they just keep coming right. You
2: know? Yeah more more on the inside uh, impressions. Now are yeah. you seeing pictures? Are you getting like full like movie oriented type of flashes or uh, in what way does the uh, are you getting the inspiration or the uh, illumination as it were?
0: Usually it's like a metaphor that mm. I see. Uh, okay. I see it mentally, you know, inside. I don't, I don't see. I don't see anything outside usually at all ever. Um, but internally, you know, I I just have this picture that comes up, and it's a kind of a metaphor or an example or an illustration okay. of the concept that is coming into you know my into my mind, and then I sit with that and I feel into it because. When my daughter was sick, she and I went on a rampage to learn how to discern truth from fiction. Right. And she was told so many things by so many medical professionals that didn't hold, you know, it wasn't true. It didn't work and so forth until they started telling her she needed to see a psychologist. And At that point, I got very angry, Um, Mm. totally healthy young woman here,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and she's not making this up um right. so we began to to go on that journey well when I receive a download then I sit with it and I also check into the truth how you know is this true is it actually true not just something that I got from somebody passing by in a car right alone <laughs> right. my yard you know because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we we get stuff from people um right yeah and once it holds then I, I share it because I feel like this is this is material given to us to help each other. And right. I'm not charging for it. I'm not trying to, you know, be any kind of a guru or anything. I just know that when I get some message that helps me, there are a lot of other people out there that need it as well. And right. I want to share it, yeah.
2: Yeah, that's fantastic. And what was the um, energy modality that uh, worked for your
0: daughter? The first one that we got, that we tried was the emotion code for her.
1: Hmm. Okay.
0: Uh, The emotion code was discovered by Dr. Bradley Nelson, who is a Christian chiropractor. Mm -hmm. And he found that sometimes when his patients would have things being out in their back or their neck or whatever, that there was an emotional cause for it.
2: Right. Right. And then
0: he, I don't remember what the book said, but he's got a book out called The Emotion Code, which I've bought and handed to people so many times. Mm-hmm. Um, he found out that if you run a magnet over mm. the meridians of the body, mm. those places in the body that are holding the emotion will release it. Interesting. It's like a reset, like a magnetic yeah. reset. Right. And so it doesn't have to be a special magnet. It could be the magnet off of your refrigerator. It could right. be any magnet. And so we started to explore that and delve into that. And wow, that that was powerful. Yeah. Yeah. The second one was uh, EFT tapping. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, that opened up a whole world of different modalities then, because yeah. then my daughter went and became a Reiki master. Okay. Yeah. And various different things. And I'm, then I went into hypnosis. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And hypnosis is a pretty, uh, uh, well, I'd say it's more accepted than a lot of the energy um, energy work, energy medicine type of uh, uh, approaches. Uh, yes. Hypnosis, you see a lot with uh, psychologists using hypnosis as a means to kind of uh, delve in and see if they can clear or reset certain patterns that are set in motion. You often see like smoking or something like that. Uh, as a as a means with hypnosis, okay, and is that also something that you uh, do kind of as a, on the side, uh, more for yourself and those around you, that sort of thing?
0: I I do have a hypnosis practice. Okay. I just mostly work through referrals. Right. I don't I don't advertise or you know focus on that much, but yeah, I do have connections who are coaches. Coaches especially will yeah. have someone who runs into. Some problem that they can't seem to break through. And then they'll refer them to me and we'll do three, four, five sessions, whatever. And then I release them back to the coach. I'm not a coach. I yeah. don't want to coach right. to do that. <laughs> yeah, that's not my gift. But right. I've worked with people with a lot of childhood trauma. 100% of my uh, hypnosis clients have anxiety. 100%. Hmm. About 80% have depression. And then there are other things that, you know, go along with those problems. Yeah. But the type of hypnosis I do uh, goes into the area of um, metaphors and Mm. guided meditations that are crafted to release things in the mind with the, the client doesn't really know what this is doing but the mind knows what it's doing
2: right so that kind
0: of bypasses the resistance yeah and the conscious
2: it's, mind yeah
0: yes it's generalized enough that what the attention we said intention beforehand of what we're going to work on and then when it comes to the process the little story that we mm-hmm. go through the journey mm-hmm. then the mind will will shift that right and then when the person comes back you know awake they uh they feel such tremendous release because mm-hmm. they did not have that internal struggle i know i need to let it go but i can't you know right, that right. bastard who did this to me <laughs> kind of thing <laughs>
2: yeah. right right exactly <laughs>
0: yeah
2: <laughs> yeah they feel a clearing or a sense of uh, a, a lifting of the weight off of the shoulders
0: Absolutely. It's, it's tremendous. It's life-changing and the difference the before and after pictures of people that I've worked with, you hardly recognize this sad, drawn person at the beginning with this vibrant, you know, just Mm -hmm. glowing person after a few sessions. Yeah.
2: Anxiety and stress and, you know, everything associated with that depression, it's pretty dark and dour and real, you know, it definitely presses down. It's a lot of pressure on a person oh, um, yeah. to get trapped into that kind of uh, circular thinking and emotional pattern. Yeah. To have that released is, you know, just a, a bounty, you know, on a day. Just completely change your day. <laughs> you know, you walk into a session, come out on sunshine, you know, <laughs> going in clouds. <laughs> you know, that, uh, and hypnosis, you, you often hear that. It kind of eliminates the block without the person even knowing what's happening, Mm-hmm. Do you find that you have um, uh, repeat, like they, they need a, a reset again along the same lines or are they kind of, uh, you know, running on it for the foreseeable future as far as the new program or the new mindset?
0: When we finish our series um, of sessions, whatever that issue was, never comes back.
2: Never comes back.
0: There yeah. might be other ones because you're skimming off the surface and then other stuff will come to the top. So there might be some other things. And then I've had people come back. I had this one person come to me who had a lot of anxiety about driving over bridges and Mm. some other things, especially around driving. Um, Driving, okay. So when we cleared off that, he was great, but he said, I am a um, stock trader
1: Mm.
0: and can you help me be a better stock trader? Like, absolutely, we can put in some skills and increase your skills. It's Mm -hmm. not just about taking out the bad stuff. It's also about putting in the good stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, we did. We did work on that. And he came back about a year later and he said, hey, I'm number two in the country. Can you do another one? Maybe I get to number one.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That's amazing. That's fantastic. Oh, Oh, my. Well, did he did he come back and? hit number one <laughs> he never told me he didn't he come back was... so maybe you
0: know
2: <laughs> yeah oh, that's great yeah. well then you ask him hey, now write a book <laughs> get to the next step write right. about it put it down on paper you yeah. know yeah i found that there's a lot of uh, really great energy release from uh, composing um work on paper like to write mm-hmm. uh typing is good I find that writing for me was always something that was—it uh, was just a method of really releasing some kind of pressure within me that was I didn't even know was built up, but the feeling was so good to get it out that it was—I uh, wouldn't say addicting, but felt very necessary to um, to uh, do the release, as it were, as far as writing out something, and you know if it turns into a book at the end, great, and if not, then the whole point of it was really to just get that energy out and to release it Um, do you find that you have that kind of same um, effect even with those that you teach yeah uh, yeah Yeah.
0: Yeah. it's different people have different ways of approaching it for me I would do a little YouTube video put my idea out there in video form Mm. but but I have a Notebook, of course, you know, for ideas, right? Book ideas. And th- those things will also go in that for so I can catch it. I feel like I'm catching fireflies, you know, yeah. if I don't get it now,
2: right? It's they, leaving. They do, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
0: yeah.
2: Okay. Yeah. I, I know when I wake up in the morning, um, I typically try to like uh, wake up before my alarm by a few minutes so that I have some time within a lucid space to. Think about the day coming ahead. Uh, some of my best ideas are right in that time, and sometimes it forces me to like just get up because I got to write them down. I've got to put it to paper so that it doesn't get lost because it will. It'll get lost in the shuffle of the day. Um, but that time period is very valuable for the creative process for me in um, kind of uh, getting through blocks that I might have within my creative writing or creative space. Uh, do you have like a kind of a ritual like that or a a method that you use to open yourself up to get ready for uh, the writing process?
0: When I have a flash in the early morning, I will get my phone and record Mm -hmm. into my phone. I'll either do voice Mm -hmm. recording to to text and send myself an email, or I'll just record a little clip and uh, save it for later. But in the moment, it's really, really important. And I also listen to um, audio books Mm, uh, that are spiritually oriented. And I'll go to sleep to an audio book, I'll put one on in the afternoon. And that's kind of like nap time, although I'm not really napping. But it gives me a refreshing of my, my body's quiet. I, my mind is so active that I need something to focus on. Otherwise, I'll just keep spinning, you know, the wheels thinking right. about everything I need to do or whatever. So that's my way of kind of chilling out. But then it also stimulates, you know, these downloads and mm-hmm. and ideas spark off of it as well.
2: Right, yeah. all goes together, yeah. Yes,
0: I also meditate mm-hmm. regularly, um, yeah. sometimes more than once a day, depending on the space the I'm in. Yeah, Yeah,
2: what, what the day is holding. Yeah. Uh, and if you don't mind me asking, what's what is your sign?
0: Sagittarius, Sagittarius. I'm December.
2: Okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so mental opposite of Gemini, yeah, yeah. Very mentally inspired, <laughs> <laughs> traveling in the mind—that's great. Yeah. Traveling
0: in the body too, and the body, I, right? I move a lot. I travel. <laughs> I move a lot.
2: <laughs> oh, where do you? Where are you coming out of? Uh, where Where are you I'm now? I'm in
0: Florida right now. I lived oh. in Arizona last year. Um, okay. Then I moved to Florida last summer. Yeah. And I just have a feeling Florida is not my final destination, but I right. just have gotten to the point where I just say to Spirit, when well, it's time for me to go, you'll let me know. Yeah. <laughs> you know I'm not going to get my roots too deep. I love it here. I love Florida. It's nice. Yeah. But yeah.
2: Yeah. It's, I, I lived in Tampa for two winters. And when I was traveling a lot, I did a lot of business in Florida during the winter because that's where everybody's at. So that's where the yeah. business is. Uh, <laughs> Florida's definitely really nice, I think, in the in wintertime. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, a great time to be there. Lot a lot going on, and the bugs are, are not uh, intense. The humidity is really low. Um, yeah. Arizona, I love it because it doesn't have that humidity factor. Depending on where you're at in Arizona, but uh, Florida for the for the winter, it's just got a, a very different energy level going on. Uh, with just just people everywhere doing stuff, uh, it's <laughs> definitely a cool. It's a cool yeah. vibe for sure and um so what what do you see for your uh summer coming up ahead do you have uh do you do you write kind of consistently throughout the year
0: oh yes I'm a ghost writer as well as a novelist and I have a three book deal that I'm writing through at the moment okay so ghostwriting is my kind of my income that's how I make a living okay and so i'm I'm writing all the time and people ask me how do I do it because everybody's got this Routine, right? I went to a book signing with James Patterson. I couldn't believe he was oh. in Ta- he was in Tallahassee, and I I drove over there about an hour and a half to see him. Not because I'm such a James Patterson fan; he kind of freaks me out right. <laughs> the weirdness sometimes. But uh, I wanted to see how does a big name star do a book signing? What, right. what happens? And uh, he, they asked him, "How do you write?" And he said that he gets up. And goes to work, you know, nine o'clock, he goes to his home office and sits there and writes for three hours and goes to lunch. You know, he just treats it like a job. Mm -hmm. Um, But for me, I focus so intensely that I do writing binges and I will Mm -hmm. write for three or four hours, get some food, go to bed, sleep Mm -hmm. a couple hours, get up, write three or four more hours, eat go to bed. And I will do that for 24 to 48 hours. I can roll out some pages.
1: Right. (laughs) And I
0: found out that if I just stay in it, Mm -hmm. then the productivity really amps up. Yeah. Instead of trying to break at five and come back and catch up where I was before. And eventually, you know, my, my mind will say, okay, that's it for now. And then, you know, I'll go to bed and sleep for 14 hours. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I write more than one book at a time. And so okay. I can take a few days off, go into right. another writing binge on another project, and so forth. I only work on each project maybe once a week or every 10 days. I don't.
1: Okay.
0: I, I've learned to respect my energy and yeah. my, my mental capacity to be sharp. And I'll get more done if I take off two or three days between those uh, different episodes. Call it. I think, I think they have medication for that, but (laughs) (laughs) I'm not taking it.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. It might stop the work, you know, Yeah. can't have that. There was a, uh, I don't know if it was a a physicist or, you know, a great thinker of sorts that had some kind of prescribed way of uh, approaching sleep might have been Tesla or Einstein or somebody like that where they did like a four-hour stint and a two-hour nap and a four-hour stint um, just so that they could maximize their routine and um, get into that zone, but not lose it by getting too much, like getting wiped out by a whole day of sleep or something like that. Uh, yeah, it sounds it was, very it similar Edison. to what you're kind of accessing there to try and
0: yeah. get
2: as much in a 48-hour period as possible. You know. Yeah,
0: it was Edison. That. Edison did that.
2: Edison. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody, (laughs) somebody did it back in the day. (laughs) Do you, do do you have um, any kind of uh, pitfalls that you hit with, uh, with the industry of writing? Um, Anything that's, you know, uh, that you find as a, as a problem when it comes to uh, the industry itself, accepting the work or uh, the process of getting the work out there? Are you running into any kind of, you know, pitfalls of that sort.
0: Back in the day when I started writing before print on demand and before Facebook, my first book came out in 1996. Oh, okay. So before that, even after that, up until around 2003, there was no avenue for self-publishing that was respected. If you did venture into self-publishing, you were blackballed by the industry and you would never publish a book with a traditional publisher again. Mm, mm. And so my first book was rejected 19 times. Wow. I kept knocking on doors for more than a decade mm. because for one thing, I wasn't in a location where I was around publishers a lot.
1: Right. But
0: also I was teaching myself how to write. Some of it was just my own learning. Yeah. But... Today, the opportunities are it's flipped. The opportunities are so broad, yeah, that there's too much, right, to sort through. And the other piece of it is the big name publishers, the New York publishers that everybody wants to get into, they are not considering anyone who's not a celebrity mm. who has less than half a million mm. followers on Facebook,
1: right and tv
0: presence and all of this uh wow. they do not <laughs> care how good the book is they don't care yeah. how many people want it they are not going to address anyone yeah with less than 100,000 on their mail list wow. i mean we're talking about major players yeah that are getting those book deals but here's the good news there is a type of publisher that has come forward now that is serving the mid list people who can't get into the big, big boys.
1: Yeah,
0: And so they, I call them hybrid publishers, but there are a lot of different names for it yeah. where they actually act like a traditional publisher. They create the cover, they do the layout, they do the marketing, mm-hmm. um, cover copy, that cover copy, all those things are super important. Yeah. And yet they, they also have to be, you have to submit and get accepted, but they ask the author to contribute. Mm-hmm. It's going to cost anywhere from $2,500 to $6,000. Right. And sometimes they will deliver that in copies, free copies after free copies. You pay mm-hmm. for Yeah. Free, after you pay. After you pay. <laughs> um, yeah. And the most of the time, the author retains the rights, which mm-hmm. is important. Yeah. So these hybrid publishers are amazing. And that is who is putting out my book in the fall. Mm-hmm. And what I found and also this this one here that uh, is coming out in June, which I have the copies for already is. Um, is also a, a hybrid that wants a little investment, and I say small investment because when a publisher puts out a book, it costs them a hundred thousand yeah. dollars.
2: Yeah, it's a small investment.
0: Yeah, they're only asking you for a tiny bit compared right. to what they're risking. So the the what I'm finding is that these publishers are so helpful; they want their authors to succeed. In my experience with a traditional publisher back. Before 2009, which was mm-hmm. the first 27 books, 20 books of my career, yeah. um, they provided nothing for right. marketing. Okay. They put the book in their catalog. Hmm. If they liked you, the representatives would talk to bookstores about putting you on the shelf. Right.
1: If they didn't
0: like you; you weren't on the shelf. Who knows yeah. why? <laughs> it didn't, right. you know, seem to have rhyme or reason.
1: Yeah.
0: And that was it. It was up to the author to get out there and scrape and scratch and try Mm -hmm. to figure out how to sell books uh, on -hmm. their own. But these hybrid guys, they're training. They are doing uh, networking. They're providing opportunities. They're out there pitching the book themselves. So there's so much more support. I was just delighted to find out how much I was getting. That was more than I got before because the hybrid... Publisher sees their authors as clients. Right. They're right. serving clients.
2: Sounds more There's like a, a marketing p- marketing agency of sorts versus totally this, you know. different
0: mindset.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And so and the the royalties that I got back in the day was somewhere between 10 and
1: 14%,
0: or mm. I'm getting 25% with a hybrid. Right. And That is amazing. So I I really encourage when I'm ghostwriting for someone who has a really strong book, a strong message, because I ghostwrite nonfiction primarily. I do a little fiction ghostwriting, mostly it's self-help, business books and so Mm. forth to, to address these hybrid guys because the books look professional. Right, It's not a homemade job. It's wonderful. And the support is great and there's all these upsides to doing business with these people who want you to succeed rather than just doing some kind of makeshift cover and throwing it up on Amazon on your own.
2: Right, right.
0: Yeah, totally different.
2: Which is doable as well.
0: Yes, depending on what you want.
2: Relying on Amazon to do their marketing magic, which is not much as well. You got to pay for all that as well if you want to really push it. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yes.
2: The create space or the uh, KDP or whatever it is.
0: Right. Right.
2: Um, yeah, that's something. Well, and that's quite a hurdle uh, and a big change, though. Twenty five percent is much more collaborative than ten yes. you know? percent.
0: <laughs> yes, and I keep my rights.
2: And you keep your rights.
0: Which yes. Is important. Right. Yes, because I have yeah. some books that are not in print, but the publisher still has the rights, um, okay. and I can't get them keep back without the right. actually. You know, looking at contracts and talking to people. It's a it's a process. And And my book, Colorado, sold two hundred and fifty thousand copies.
2: You're gonna get it at a
0: used bookstore or thrift Mm -hmm. books or something because they're not printing it anymore. Wow. Yeah.
2: That's something. And that's something to consider too. Putting your work out there, you feel like it's part of you. You've got to be careful what you're signing off on, which is possibly giving somebody your work part of yourself and not having any more control over it, you know, it definitely uh, looms as something uh, to be wary of in a contract. And it's again, contracting, that's, that's definitely, you got to keep an eye on what's being said and how it's being said and where those, you know, where the credits are going, who's publishing, who's allowed to publish. You said you had one publisher go out of business. Yes. The one, the,
0: the, the one that uh, published this was a different one. Okay. Than my my other books. This was yeah. a unique publisher, so it's the only one that was affected by that. But oh. the other yeah. one's still in business.
2: Oh, it's still in business. So if they went if out they of business, were, you'd be if able they to, were
0: out <laughs> of business, I'd, I'd be okay.
2: Yeah, you'd get your rights back, basically yeah. on your own work. You yes. know, imagine that. Oh, yeah. that's something.
0: And, there, there are there are reasons to go for traditional publishing, and so I'm not saying no one should ever do it. Yeah, but you know, if you are starting out, even if you have a couple books done, you know, uh, right. consider carefully what you're doing.
2: Yeah, I once wrote, I, I hand wrote a book, uh, first draft, I hand wrote, and then I uh, got a typewriter and I typed out the handwritten part. The first book was great. It was it was hand done. I thought it was great. It was a fantasy story, and it went from. It was, I don't know how long it was because it was handwritten. So I thought, I'll I'll type it down. I'll type it onto paper and we'll see where it's at. And as I was typing it, the story started to morph and change and uh, drift apart. It was a two story. It was two stories that were kind of going at the same time. And they were supposed to, you know, meet and then separate in the storyline, the two different story branches. And while I was typing it it just they diverted so far away from (laughs) from where I had originally had uh, drawn it out that I thought oh the end isn't going to make sense anymore nothing's going to work anymore because I've just taken the two stories in completely different directions than original and uh, I ended up putting it all together I was very happy that I did it again it was very uh, uh, it was a good medicine for me to be able to do that and put the work down and get the energy out of myself Uh, but I ended up putting it all together and burning it and saying, all oh, right, forget it. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Then I felt bad a couple of years yeah. after that and started trying to try and write again. And, uh, that book is where I'm still at. And uh, I started, I got the first chapter, second chapter, I got stuck for just a little bit. And then I made a mistake of seeing uh, Harry Potter and my second chapter is very similar to those, to that storyline. That whole storyline. So it it really, I felt like, oh, I either was late to the game with that whole idea, but then I didn't think I could finish. I didn't think I could really go forward with my story because it seems too Harry Potter-ish, you know. (laughs) I see that a lot with, um, my mom is a a writer and she put together a, what she thought was a book and turned it into a screenplay. And then uh, the name that she wanted to call the book was taken by a movie. And she thought, oh, my gosh. So she had to, like, almost reformulate the whole idea of the story because mm-hmm. the name was taken. Um, and I don't know what kind of effect that has. I don't know if you start yourself with inspiration on, like, a name or, um, you know, what draws you towards a story in writing about it or if that's ever happened to you where, you know, your focus was shifted while writing the story or after it was finished or something like that. Um, has that ever happened to you in your writing? Is that uh, that a common thing?
0: Yes. And um, not to get too esoteric, but there is such a thing as collective consciousness. And sometimes we, that's why I say, I want to make sure what I'm getting is truth, not something that's coming down from someplace else. Right. Um, And I, yes, I, I have run into that as well, but what I did was I formulate, I, I put together a system to capture the ideas and corral them so Mm. that I am going from chapter one to chapter 20 or 30 or whatever with a systematic approach so that I can keep my mind from taking me off tangent Mm. and heading up somewhere that's going to derail my idea. So that is how I can make progress because I found that I was doing a lot of rewriting, throwing stuff mm-hmm. out that I worked on for days. Yeah. No, I'm not working like that. So I if I have ideas that are ta- a tangent, I'll note them down to keep yeah. them. I don't want to lose that. But for whatever the book is I'm working on, I have a process and a plan so I can get this work done. I, I approach my writing just like I was a plumber trying mm-hmm. to, put fittings into a house I want my work to go from point A to point B from beginning to end from project opening to completion and not run rabbit trails and and right. just frustrate myself no end because I've got a job to do here right and part of the job is to identify the strong points and create characters and also have a strong theme and a message So it's not taking away my creativity at all. It's just that the creativity happens at the beginning Mm -hmm. in the mapping, in the conflicts, in the setup, and how the story unfolds. You know, in the the middle, there's going to be a big shift and so forth. And how I work all that out at the beginning, it might take me six weeks Mm, to map it. But then when I have it and it clicks and I know I've got it now, I've basically written the story in my head now and I've got it nailed down. Now, if I get to chapter 10 and one character starts to act up and doesn't want to do what I want him to do, right? <laughs> then I happens. have to go back <laughs> and readdress, right? Yeah. But it's character driven, not right. just my brain. You know, right. my creative brain is going to just go off from here to Mars. And the next thing I know, I'm trying to yeah. <laughs> reel it back in. <laughs> yeah. So that
2: outline, definitely having a concrete outline. Yeah, And and, that's what uh, happened was the character in my second line story was varying greatly from, deviating from the story, basically, Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. the story. It's really interesting to see it happen. Uh, You know, it's like, wow, this isn't turning out the same.
0: (laughs) Sometimes those guys, they do a war hoop and head off the reservation.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So your outline will prevent that... uh, Escape basically of that for the most part of that creative uh, entity yeah. of sorts, okay. Yeah, for the most part, right. And so, you do uh, like an outline, and then you'll do like a first draft run, or you'll do each chapter, each section, that kind of thing.
0: I have a, a chart, I've got tons of charts, <laughs> which oh, okay. is part of my course. I teach people how to use here. my charts and get their system, yeah. But, uh, you know what, whatever works for them, they don't have to use mine. But uh, in the chart, I have columns and each chapter has three boxes and I plan three scenes per chapter. Now, sometimes it's only two Mm -hmm. depending, but then I have like a graphic vision of the story with a plot paradigm. So I know that by chapter three, I've got to have a strong inciting incident that's going to keep people reading because if they're not committed to reading the book by chapter three, I'm Mm going to lose them, but I don't want to lose them. So I'm going to put in something really exciting in chapter at the end of chapter three. So those kind of high points I plan for, but then the storyline will rise and fall, you know, with high action and reflection and so forth Mm -hmm. as we go through and then putting the characters in there to make sure that they're learning their lessons, going through their trials Mm -hmm. on top of the events. Uh, what event would make him be introspective about his childhood because he needs to deal with it. And so I'll think of what that could be and I'll plop that in in chapter six or chapter eight or whatever. So I have a rough idea. Sometimes when I look at that chart, the boxes what's in the box will compress so that it, it isn't even a separate scene. It's just a little thought that comes up in somebody someplace else. Mm -hmm. And some of them will expand Where, you know, somebody else shows up and now we've got three people in this scene and and it's bigger than I thought. So I allow it to morph and flow, but I still have a kind of a outline overlay that I know where I'm heading, what needs to happen to make this character arrive at his changes, insights, and also solving the exterior problem that, you know, he's dealing with. So you have the internal conflict as well as the external conflict. So that's that's um, when I won the Christie Award in 2001, Mm. I was inundated with writers, novelists Mm. that were trying to get published and they were coming to me for help. And I even had the publisher referring people to me. I I was like astounded. Uh, And because I'm a teacher, I thought, well, you know, I'm just going to create a course because I can Mm. teach 30 people at once. And I don't need to be dealing with people individually. I just don't have time for that. Um, And so I taught that course for about eight years. And then I got a divorce. I shut everything down. I had to figure out what I was going to do with my life. And this spring, I just brought the course back.
1: Okay. It's live again.
0: I'm so excited. I feel like it's a part of me that was just sleeping for the past 10 years. And now I'm back in my element because Mm -hmm. I love to teach. Yeah. I really enjoy that. And also teaching people how to bring their life lessons forward into a story that touches people and helps yeah. them. Right. That's huge. So, yeah, it's that's
2: it's very healing. You know? Oh, yes. Yeah.
0: It's cathartic. Yeah. So in my book that's coming out in the fall, I had a paranormal experience <laughs>
2: Yeah.
0: where I moved into an apartment and I was trying to put up curtain rod and I couldn't get the screw to go in. And I had an electric screw, screwdriver. I was up there on my ladder. I'm only five foot two. I mean, I've, I've got to climb. I'm, I'm, I'm precarious. I'm, I'm yeah. a little insecure. <laughs> Trying to push up there <laughs> enough to get this to go. It wouldn't go. It was hitting something yeah. behind there, I guess. And I'm thinking, a, a screw. Are you kidding me? I'm going to have to get a handy right. hand to come in here for a screw. And all of a sudden, I felt this warm presence around me. I felt mm. my father's energy. My father died mm. in 2007.
1: Okay.
0: And I felt my father, my father was a carpenter. elect. He was actually a licensed electrician, plumber, the whole deal. He mm. could do everything. Yeah. And I felt energy coming into my right shoulder and the screw just went in. It was wow. coming from up here. I was pushing with my wrist. Wow. All of a sudden it went right in That's and amazing. I went, whoa. What That's just happened? Great. I mean, that kind of shocked me. I was, I got off the ladder and I sat down there way. "Oh my goodness, <laughs> <laughs> what
1: happened?" Wow, that but, is
0: wild. Yeah, yeah, that was the first time I had felt his presence at all since he passed away. Oh, okay, and I think yeah. that was in 2018 or somewhere around there, 1718. Mm-hmm. So I needed help, and I was frustrated and i called out yeah please yeah. i need to get this but i was actually praying to god and my dad showed up <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's fantastic yeah so that's know. the
0: first scene of the book okay when she realizes that her father is around
2: yeah yeah Yeah. very interesting so that and that's how that storyline starts in a way yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. um is that something that a theme that kind of continues through the series or through that book or just more of that's that person's part of that person's uh, uh, life. Like this is part of their uh, modus. The, the
0: name of the series is the Englewood medium. So mm. it's oh, okay. at that point that she realizes that she can correspond yeah. with, with people who've passed and her father continues to show up physically. She sees okay. him and has conversations He'll okay. show up in her living room and they'll sit there and talk, you know, uh, yeah. having a normal conversation, just like we're having today in the yeah. book. You know, yeah. that never yeah. happened to me. Right. So part of my process is to take a seed idea mm-hmm. and then take it's it banned. to a different place. It's not really biographical. Right. Right. In the book. Yeah.
2: It's an idea and it yeah. uh, can spur a whole whole series, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. That's great. And any other books that you're working on on the side? You sound like you do a lot of writing. So would there be that plus more new titles, perhaps, or uh, is that something that's always ongoing?
0: It's it's ongoing. I'm I'm uh, mentally setting aside the summer to write book two. Hmm. The first book is called Shaken but Not Stirred. Hmm. She hmm. has a stalker, oh. and. Doesn't know who it is, and I had a stalker back in 2014. So again, bringing forward some life experiences. Yeah. And then the second book is going to be called "Broken, Bent, but Not Broken," Hmm. and it's about one somebody that gets murdered, and you know that they know well, and murder mystery. Both of them have murder Murder mystery. mystery. I'm a mystery writer. Yeah. So there's a murder in all the books, but. The first one is also stalker mystery. Like who's doing this yeah. to me. You know? Right, right, right. Yeah. I have fun because I yeah. I uh, tease the reader and uh, sometimes they think they know what's going on and I push them off the step. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> it's that third chapter that gets them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's great. Oh, that's awesome. So that one will be another title ongoing.
0: Yes. Maybe next year
2: yeah. or something like that.
0: Probably next year. Yes. It yeah. usually takes about a year from finish. Till the book comes out. So I think, okay. you know, if I finish it up, say September yeah. or October, then next year.
2: Yeah. And so your your course you're talking about, you have uh, a course to help uh, other authors or people that want to be authors to um, kind of harness their creative writing ability. Is that right?
0: Yes. It's to provide training on how to create realistic characters mm. how to create a plot that works how to uh, use setting mm. and dialogue to forward the story and then it's also about systems to make it faster and better so it's not just about being faster it's also about writing better
1: Right?
0: because when you have a plot paradigm to work off of then you're hitting the notes that mm people expect in a story. Yeah. publishers expect, readers expect. When you write a a novel, there is kind of a pacing and a rhythm to it. Yeah. High points and and tension, high tension, mm-hmm. and then reflection and quiet and conversation. How to do that? And mm-hmm. also so many things about taking your main character from the beginning where they're troubled Have this past going on, take them through a problem, come out at the end better, Mm -hmm. wiser, more prepared. There is actually a uh, character development process that I teach how do you bring them through these stages of yeah. change they're not going to change like this people don't do that they don't right. wake up this day you know the second day and they're a totally different person no they, yeah. they have this experience and that experience and this experience but it's leading them on a journey right. to you know the end and how to write an ending that's like killer killer yeah. ending you know where the worst thing that could ever happen happens and then <laughs> they figure it out and then you're yeah. going yeah yeah they figure it and so you end the book on a high note and feeling so good about what you've experienced. And you've also had some learning and some personal development yourself, insights yourself yeah, from the book, yeah. from the storyline. Mm-hmm. That's what makes a blockbuster novel. That's what makes a blockbuster movie. Right. So that is what I'm teaching okay. from my own experience as now uh, my books are selling, I've sold about a million. I learned some things over the past 30 years and I've created some systems and I'm pouring all of that into these eight modules. It's an eight module course. Mm. We meet once a week for eight weeks. Mm. The classes are about hour and a half, two hours long. Uh, we meet, we stay until the questions are answered. Then we have a Facebook group for other helps in the middle of the week. Um, I had people getting published before they finished. I actually had trouble getting them to finish. They would be t- emailing me and saying, oh, I've got a contract. Now I can't wow. finish. I have to write this book. I have to get busy. And I'm like, no.
2: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, follow the follow the steps. <laughs> <laughs> so, right.
0: yeah, it's really, uh, it's been fun. I'm, I've been percolating this in my head for five years. Like, I've got to bring this back. I've got to yeah. bring this back. And I've never had really a space to do it and right. because of you know the big c19 word i have had mm-hmm. more time yeah. and i've had the ability to focus and it's been for me in this life i'm living here it's been a boost for me to have time uh yeah. to to get this stuff rolled out so the course is at how to write a novel that sells.com okay um i'm running it right now. I'm in week two of the eight weeks. So it's not open for enrollment. But if you go to how to write a novel that com, you can get on the list Hmm. to get information when it comes open again, uh, which are probably going to be in the fall. I think I have to judge my own time investment, uh, what my contracts are at the time and so forth, for when it will actually happen. But just like you said, running the course and teaching people and the interaction, you know, in yeah. the Zoom calls is amazing. Right? Um, it, it feeds my soul. Yeah. And I, I just, you know, it lights me up. After we get done with one of those um, trainings and conversations, and everything, I'm fired up <laughs> yeah. Yeah. at the end of the, of the time. It's amazing. What a great space to be with creative people yeah. who've got great ideas and they're, they're excited about what they're doing. Some people in the course haven't even written a word in their whole life. Wow. Other people have got a novel out and it's not doing good. They put it up on Amazon. They can't figure out what's wrong with it. Why won't, why won't it go what they need to fix. And so they came for a systematic teaching so they can find out where the gaps are in in their, in their own process um, because they haven't been successful. Although, the writing's not, it's pretty good. The writing's good enough. It's not that. It's something mm-hmm. else that, you right. know, they have to figure out. But um, yeah, that that's just recent. We just started last week. Now we're, okay. tomorrow yeah. we're going to be doing not module two.
2: <laughs> yeah. So yeah. you do one day a week, you said.
0: One afternoon, mm-hmm. a that's Sunday bad. afternoon. I pick Sunday because that's when most people can be there live because I really love the live interactions. Yeah. So every Sunday afternoon for eight weeks, we're,
2: we're running that. Yeah. That's great. I will, and I'll tell you, that's, that's a lot easier to do courses now uh, with all the different tech that's available to everybody. Yes. If you rewound this 10 years and not even 10 years, most people wouldn't have the video call ability um, or know how to do it. It was really uh, you know, the last few years where people just said, well, I have to learn, I have to figure this out because this is work now or whatever I have to get a camera or whatever um, mm-hmm. being clustered at home. But, uh, now just, uh, nowadays the courses, you could probably do recordings and have it run on its own. You know, it's definitely going to lose a lot of that because there's, there's something to being live with people and yes. generating questions, getting answers, getting, you know, constructive feedback specifically to your needs. That's, yes. uh, I, I don't think it's mimicable in a canned recorded, um, course, but you could do that as well, offer a side course that's like a primer or something like that, you know, um, because just so many options now and and ways to do it. And and what was the uh, website name for that course?
0: How to write a novel that sells.com. That's pretty good. And, uh, I, I've seen several courses when I was looking at the marketing for this and most of them are like 15 minutes video segments right. where they give you the material and then they leave you to figure it out on your own.
1: Yeah. And
0: it took me 14 years to get published from the time I took that first course till my mm. book came out.
1: Yeah. And
0: the reason was because I wasn't able to get feedback.
1: Yeah.
0: Nobody, Nobody right. professional would right. look at my material. I would show it around to people that I knew and they go, oh, it's nice. It's great. Yeah. That didn't help me. That doesn't help at all. (laughs) (laughs) So part of what my mission is, is to give people feedback. You need to know what's going on from somebody who can look at it and tell you, if I had had that, I know I would have gotten published much sooner than I did. So I'm trying to speed it up for people because I know the frustration. Right. Lived it.
2: Yeah. 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 Lived it. Right. Exactly. Well, that's the benefit in that course is that they have, you know, a professional that has the tradecraft, you know, has, knows the, what to do and how to do it, and is successful to tap, basically, to say, okay, here's where I'm going with this. Is this, does this work? And you're able to just, you know, tell them to morph it, tell them that no, it doesn't work, or yes, it's great. And here's where you can go with that further. You know, huge benefit to that. Mm, uh, to oh, be yeah. able to do you know, a direct, almost a one-on-one, even if you're doing it with 15 people within the course or something like that. That's, right. that's great. Uh, so this is the first eight week course that you're doing now. The first uh, since what, 10 years ago or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you might be doing it in the fall as well for new enrollees. Okay. It's yes. fantastic. And then do you have a website for your, uh your books for your, yes. uh, your author website?
0: Lana com.
2: Yeah. Okay. Yep. yep. Very good. And and can can people find uh, resources for you at that site as far as uh, writing resources or uh, your ghost writing work or anything like that?
0: Absolutely. If you go to how to write, I'm sorry, if you go to lana yeah, then there is a uh, pop up that will happen after you've been there for like five seconds to download the novel notebook. The mm. novel notebook is an ebook and a video that tells you how to put together an actual three three-ring binder mm. to capture your novel ideas and to keep things organized for yourself so that when you're in the middle of the process because a novel is a hundreds and hundreds mm. of details. Right. So this is to help you get organized so that you can number 1 capture the ideas but also access them quickly which is part of my big deal because I want to be able to find it and move on without having to scroll through, find and replace, look, look, look. Um,
2: Storyline, characters, character development, that sort of thing would all be in there. Easy access tabs maybe or something like that.
0: Right. There's different sections for setting, character, plot, and so forth. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And, And hypnosis, that doesn't play a part in the website at all. That's definitely word of mouth on the side kind of project that you do? There
0: is a tab at the top, a link at the top that says healing. Mm, And if you go to that tab, there's more about it. There's also tons of testimonials from people who've worked with me. Uh, And if someone is interested in that kind of help, then my my email address is right there on the website. Just email me, you know, and we will have a Zoom call to see if it's a fit because I accept my hypnosis clients based on, whether I can help them or not. I don't just take anybody randomly. If I can't help you, I'll find someone to help you. I have tons of resources for that, but I want to know that the person I'm working with will benefit from it and be able to uh, go through the hypnosis process safely Mm -hmm. and all of that. So there is a, just a, a short phone call, maybe 10 minutes, and then we'll see you know, if, if I can connect you with somebody else or maybe I can do it. Maybe it'll be fine. Right. So okay. that's how I work with the hypnosis. Yeah.
2: yeah, that's great. Yeah. Any advice for listeners out there that want to uh, start their project on writing?
0: A really wise person said to me, or in my hearing, I don't think it was to me, it was a seminar or something, that a first draft doesn't have to be brilliant. It just has to exist.
1: Hmm.
0: (laughs) I would sweat over my first draft so much
1: Hmm.
0: and erase and throw away and stuff like that. But he said, if it's not written down, you can't fix it. Right. Just get to the keyboard, get it out, write it, whatever version it is like it or not. Once you have a draft then you can go back, dissect it, shuffle things, fix it. You can, you've got something to work with. As long as it's just in your mind, you can't work with that. Right. Put it out there and then go to work. Yeah. So that changed my whole life yeah. as far as my writing career, because I stopped second guessing myself, mm. critical you know editor in my head. All that went away because, hey, if it's bad, I'll find out about it later. Right now, right. I'm just getting it out.
2: Right. So really, it's to take the first step. Yes. Move forward. Uh, put okay. it to paper or, or however. <laughs> yeah. Put it to the digital, you know, put it online or however you do it. Um, I, I think there was a book that was put out. It was called, uh, and for me, in my head, it's helped a lot to kind of um, – you know, just start doing something and it's uh just right. Just right. Mm. Just right. Doesn't matter 30%. what it is, just do it. it. Just seems very much along the same lines that I guess that's a stumbling block that a lot of people have is uh yes. just doing it. Just yes. making the motion and begin to put the uh the words down. Yeah. And it doesn't really matter, but if you don't have anything to look at, you don't have anything to look at. That's pretty great advice. Yeah. It's fantastic. Well, Lana Macara wonderful to have you today. Thank you. And I'm looking forward to uh, the course and I'm looking forward to that new title coming out in the fall.
0: Thank you so much. Excellent. Appreciate it very much. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Yeah. We'll talk soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye.